Welcome to the Small Baller Podcast. My name is Trevor Reddick, and today I'm joined by a man who shares my love for the Fast and the Furious franchise, Ben O'Brien. How you doing? Trevor, I'm fantastic, and absolutely. I mean, um, with Brandon not being here today, like we can talk about it as much as we want, and we don't have to put up with any of his hate for those movies, even though he hasn't seen them, so he can't really hate them. Um, so we are freely open to talk about Fast and Furious for as long as we want. Honestly, we can just we can talk about Fast and Furious for an hour if you just want to scrap the whole sports podcast thing for like this week if you really want. I'd be cool with it. Yeah, I mean, we could just totally turn it into um, a podcast where we talk about every Fast and the Furious movie. We can go through them all. Last night, I actually got the, I watched yeah. Tokyo and Drift, um, which I was really, uh, you know, I don't know. It was just like one of those things. I was like, man, watching Tokyo Drift tonight sounds like a really good idea. So I did that. You know, I made myself, you know, some pasta with some chicken. I made myself a little ice cream sundae. Oh, Trevor, uh, that, was, that picture of that night. dessert you sent, whatever it was, it looked phenomenal. There was a lot to, that yeah. went into it, but it looked so good. It looked amazing. Yeah, so, so what I did is I got, like, vanilla ice cream, and then I, like, had – so I made some chocolate chip cookies last night. I went and got some, like, Toll House yeah. cookie dough, so I made some cookies. So I just got one. I just grabbed, like, the biggest cookie. Mm-hmm. I put it in the microwave. About 15 seconds, took it out, you know, just put it over the ice cream, you know, so you have the hot cookie, the ice cream. I heat up, I heated up some like caramel, drizzled that over it. I had a little bit of peanut butter, a little bit of honey. Um, I think that was pretty much it. Oh, and I put in some like uh, these caramelized pecans, which I love. And, yeah. And that was it. That was a Sunday. Man, dude, it looks so good. Honestly, I might, I might have to go to the store today and make that. I mean, that looked phenomenal. It looked like something you'd get at a restaurant. It was incredible. It, 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 it that's exactly what it was it was like it tasted like if i was gonna get like an ice cream cookie sundae from like i don't know a restaurant yeah that's kind of yeah. what it was so it was it was really good and yeah it was obviously i love the fast and furious movies, so absolutely but, um you know besides the fast and furious movies we have a lot of sports news ben and you know brandon's not here today and i think he's gonna be a little upset that he didn't get to talk about some of these topics because these are all right up uh, Brandon's alley, like LeBron James, Tom Brady, uh, talking about an NFL division. Like he, he's going to be devastated. Then, I mean, this is this is absolutely because like he obviously loves LeBron and he loves the NFL, and as much as he hates Tom Brady, he likes to talk about Tom Brady a lot. So this is a a, a tough episode for him to miss, but we're going to have fun without him. Yeah, absolutely. So let's just get right into it. Uh, let's start off with LeBron's uh, contract. So LeBron and the Lakers, they agreed to a two-year, $97.1 million extension. Uh, that includes a third-year player om- option. Um, now, you know, this is kind of a, another thing here that was, I think this was kind of expected. You know, like, it seems pretty clear that LeBron loves living in Los Angeles, um, despite the fact that the team has not been good now. This year wasn't as good as you would expect last mm-hmm. year either, so... Uh, but despite all that, he's, you know, he's committed. This is where he wants to live. This is where he's kind of, you know, and, and this is where like his kids' lives are too. This is where Bronny's, Bronny and Bryce, obviously Bryce now, he's in the fold playing high school basketball as well. So this is kind of where their lives are now. And I think they love being Los Angeles. So this was pretty expected. Um, I guess, you know, there's not really too much else to mention. You know, we're not here to talk about like the Lakers today, um, but I think the interesting transition here is that, you know, LeBron, he's talked about wanting to play with Bronny, his son, obviously. And this two-year extension with a player option kind of, you know, help correlates with Bronny coming into the NBA because Bronny's going to be a high school senior this year, uh, playing his last year uh, in high school with Sierra Canyon. And then he's going to, we we think, go to college um, or potentially take a route to like the G League Ignite. That could be another option. Um, I, I, it seems like that college is probably the expected destination. That's what I've seen reported. I think Paul Biancardi, uh, you know, from ESPN, he's one of the people that says that he thinks that Bronny will probably go to college. So that's, that's what I've been seeing most. Um, so that's what I would lean toward right now is that he'll, it's just a matter of what college he'll go to, but it seems like that's the preferred option over something like the G league or like overtime elite which is another like up and coming uh you know basketball league you have but i think it's gonna be really interesting um to see what happens if lebron has two more years that would basically correlate with Bronny's senior year and Bronny's freshman year in college and then that player option year would be the first year Bronny's eligible um to you know enter the nba draft 
So that gives him a little bit more flexibility. You know, potentially if Bronny gets drafted to a team, could LeBron mm-hmm. then that offseason try to go to that team? I don't know. There's a lot of uh, moving parts. That would be uh, the summer of 2024 when that would occur. So that's going to be really interesting. But I want to talk a little bit about Bronny's recruitment because this has been a pretty hot topic the last week. Uh, you know, Bronny's been playing in like the Nike EYBL. Um, you know, there was a highlight where he had like the, I think it was a left-handed dunk. I think he had the, he yeah, had like a fast crazy. break and he had like a left-handed dunk and pe- people were like bringing up the side-by-side of like his dunk with one of LeBron's dunks and all that kind of stuff. And people were really excited about it. And, you know, Bronny, I think continues to improve his game. He continues to try to, you know, take steps. Um, we've talked about Bronny a ton in the past. We went and watched him a few years ago in Columbus. And, you know, with Bronny's game, we, we talked about, like, he seems to have, like, that, that element of basketball IQ um, that, it, you know, his father has. Like, just the, the ability to kind of see what's going to happen in the future. He seems to already be a pretty good passer. Um, as far as shooting, he seems like he's a decent shooter. Um, for me, and also on on defense, I think he's gotten a little bit better. I think I was... That was one of the questions I had. Um, from what I read from other people, other people are actually pretty high on his defense, which I was um, a little bit surprised by, but they have obviously watched Bronny much more than I have. So we'll, we'll see. I, I think the number one thing was always like, what is the athletic like ceiling? Like as far as like the athleticism, what can he reach? How tall is he going to get? Um, you know, what, what's going to happen there? So to see a dunk like that, like that obviously is a little bit more, you know, uh, you know, showing of athleticism, but with Bronny's recruitment, we have quite a few teams that are being talked about here. Um, it's really interesting. So one of the reports that I wanted to mention was um, in an article on CBS Sports. Uh, Kyle Boone put together this article, and I believe the list of teams were Oregon, uh, USC, UCLA, Michigan, and Ohio State. Um, all of those teams were teams that were interested in Bronny. Um, and then they also made sure to mention that while Michigan and UCLA were interested, they weren't actively recruiting him. So if you take those two teams out, then you would only have left USC, Oregon, and Ohio State as the three teams that are both interested in Bronny and are also actively recruiting him. Um, the only other piece I'll, I'll mention here before I throw this off to you, Ben, is that there was a, a tweet that uh, surfaced that saying that Oregon had emerged as the frontrunner to land a commitment from Bronny. Uh, this is something that LeBron w- you know, went on Twitter and he uh, quote tweeted, basically he said, uh, he hasn't taken one visit yet and has only had a few calls with coaches and universities. When Bronny makes his choice, you'll hear it from him. So we don't, we don't have a ton of insight onto who Bronny will choose yet, but it does seem like Oregon, USC, and Ohio State, I guess would be, in theory, the top three at the moment. Um, so Ben... As you're kind of reading about all this information about Bronny's recruitment and you're seeing some of this stuff, what are some of your thoughts um, about his recruitment? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's so crazy, and, and this might sound like so obvious, but it's crazy to see that how much he's grown in the last couple of years. Because like, like you said, like we saw in his freshman year of high school, he was a small kid, super talented. Um, but the, the small kid, he played point guard, he was fast. But now, I mean, he, like, he's a big dude. He's very athletic. And again, I think we expected this. I think a lot of times people assume that he's supposed to be like this, this, this amazing player, number one overall in his class. And like, he's still a fantastic player just because he's not the number one overall recruit does not mean that he's a great player. Um, I think a lot of people that don't like LeBron are going to say that maybe he doesn't deserve to be recruited by a school like Duke or like all these, these blue bloods. But I mean, you got to remember this dude's still a top 50 recruit. So yeah, he's not LeBron James, but he's still a really good high school basketball player um, that if his name wasn't LeBron James Jr., he, he would be um or people would have no issue with him being recruited by these big schools so very interesting to see how his recruitment's going to play out and it's something that i think for a long time we've always said like oh we can't wait to see it but now it's crazy that like it's actually here i mean the dude's a senior in high school now um and he, he's going to start making these decisions that are really going to impact um his trajectory for it for the rest of his career i it, when i think of his recruiting i think there's a couple obvious things that that we can expect to happen. One, I think it's pretty obvious that he's going to go, if he's going to go to the college route, he's going to go to a Nike school. LeBron's not going to let him go to an Adidas school. Um, I think that's pretty obvious. There's plenty of good options that you can have going to a Nike school. I mean, pretty much all the schools that have offered him up to this point have been Nike schools. I think if you're an Adidas school, it's going to be a hard sell. 
um, for him to go there just because of LeBron's affiliation with Nike and his li- lifetime contract there. Um, and then I, I also think that it's safe to assume that he's probably going to go to a school again if he takes that college route that's in a fairly big market. I just can't see Bronny James and LeBron being the smart businessman that he is um, wanting Bronny to go to a school that might not be in a big market. I think for the NIL opportunities, like there's such a big opportunity for him to go to a UCLA or a USD um, somewhere in a big market because of how much money you can make off the court. And again, LeBron is such a good businessman. LeBron has probably thought about all these things. LeBron has probably informed Bronny about his opportunities if he were to go to a big market. And I do think LeBron's the type of dad where he's not going to tell him where to go. I think Bronny's going to absolutely make his own decision. But LeBron's definitely gonna gonna help him out. He's gonna he's gonna let him know what his options are and probably sway him in the direction of hey, if you go here, there's a lot more opportunities for NIL deals. Um, so I, I think that's something to watch out for as well as is what kind of market is Bronny gonna be willing to go to? I, again, I think it's gonna be a, a major market. Um, and just another thing, like, because this whole NIL thing, I think has changed this because if you were to ask me like a year and a half ago or two years ago before NIL started, I would have told you there's no chance that Bronny's going to go to college basketball because LeBron's been very vocal about the NCAA and and how they take advantage of players and they're making billions of dollars off players who aren't getting anything. I think because of this NIL deal now and the opportunity that that Bronny will get in college to make probably way more money than you'd make if you don't take the college basketball route, um, I I would fully expect Bronny to, to, to play in the NCAA. So that whole NIL thing has absolutely, I think, in my opinion, changed Bronny's route because I really think he would have gone to a G League or overseas or something like that. Um, but because of how much money he can make with NIL and, and NCAA now, I, I think he he will for sure go to an NCAA school. Also, I think a lot of times we, or we've assumed that for years now that oh by the time this like Bronny gets to that age, the NBA will um, you won't have to go on and done. The NBA will make it to where you can come straight out of high school like LeBron did, and we haven't heard anything about that, right, Trevor? So. I think a lot of yeah. people assume that he wouldn't have to make this decision. He'd be able to just go straight to the NBA and play with LeBron. But um, the NBA is not as quick on that decision as we, I think we have thought in the last couple of years. So it looks like Bronny's going to have to go to a school, which again, I, for as a college basketball fan, I would love to see LeBron James Jr. play uh, for a college basketball program. I think it'd be so cool. They'd, they'd easily probably sell out every game that he's there. Um, it'd be a fantastic pull for the sport of college basketball. So again, that was that was a long-winded explanation of me saying how exciting this is and how how real it now is that we see actual schools reaching out to him, him having actual conversation with coaches, and him having to make up to this point the biggest decision in his life. Yeah, and I think like with the because we you're right we haven't heard really any news about a potential like change to the the whole like one and done rule or like having to having players you know you like you have to be 19 essentially. In, in that same year uh, for the draft. And we haven't heard anything about that. And I think NAL is definitely one of the biggest reasons why. Like, it's kind of in a way... Um, I, I don't think people are um, putting too much pressure. I don't think there's a ton of people, like there may have been a couple years ago, that are really, like, fighting hard for this. Or, like, we need this as soon as possible. Like, it's not cool that players can't go straight to the NBA. And now that with NAL, obviously players can be compensated. They, you know stuff like that like they can have advertising or you know we had the whole like how about that uh the, the coldest uh i forget what his crawford. name was but he had like the the air crawford condi- yeah yeah the coldest crawford he had like the air conditioner commercial <laughs> that was hilarious it's but hilarious it really is but with nil it, it kind of makes it so that it's more i guess people aren't as like upset about that you know not being able to go straight to the nba which which does make sense i think um the other piece to this with like Bronny's recruitment which or I just want to point out actually um for all the people that are listening they're probably curious uh Bronny is listed at six foot three and 190 pounds currently on 247 sports he's also the 43rd ranked prospect on 247 sports uh ESPN's pretty similar I think he's 39th um in his class on ESPN so right around that you know top 40-ish range 63190 which i think when he was a freshman he was about like 511 6 foot and definitely you know maybe like 160 pounds 165 so he's mm-hmm. definitely uh grown a few inches and obviously you know put on some muscle so that's you know something to point out there we'll see again he's a senior so i don't know how much more he's going to grow again i've always kind of thought you know if he gets like 6465 that might make sense um so I don't know, maybe he'll grow another inch, but he's definitely a guard, that's for sure. 
um, you know, probably more of a combo guard um, than anything, obviously, with positionless basketball. But with the recruiting specifically, um, it's hard to make – I think it's, it's kind of hard for me to, to think, like, where would the best landing destination be? I think after we watch some of these teams play this year, we can get a better idea of, like, well, this team might be a better basketball fit. Like, USC, mm-hmm. Oregon, Ohio State, they all could be good options. Um, I think, you know, like USC's obviously had some really good prospects recently, obviously Evan Mobley and his brother Isaiah Mobley, Oregon, you know, they've had, you know, a decent amount of like really solid prospects as well. So I could see either of those schools, both, both on the West coast, closer to Los Angeles, they could both make sense, both Nike schools. Now, Ohio state, obviously much further, but there's obviously a lot of connections there with LeBron, you know, growing up in Ohio. Um, obviously if you go, if Bronny goes to Ohio state, I'm sure that would be something that would be like, um, very like, uh, applauded. I think, I think people would love that if Bronny went to Ohio state. I know I would, I would absolutely love it. If Bronny went to Ohio state, maybe, maybe like, uh, some Michigan fans wouldn't like it. You know, you have a lot of Michigan fans living in like the, uh, Northeast Ohio, Cleveland area, and even like another place in Ohio, like Brandon, for example, I don't know how much he would like him going to Ohio State, but I think a lot of people would love it. Obviously, there's a lot of people in Columbus that walk around wearing LeBron James jerseys all the time. You know, a lot of big LeBron fans in Ohio, in Columbus. Um, so that would be something that would be applauded. So I'm I'm really interesting, interested to follow this, and I also would like to see what other teams emerge because, you know, you have, like, the Dukes of the world, the Kentuckys, the Kansases, you got Memphis. Uh, you know, which teams will kind of come into the fold because – um, I, I fully expect at least one or two of those teams to at least be added um, into the mix here of teams he could talk about or teams he could potentially go to. And it'll be interesting. I, you know, I guess the only other piece is I was trying to think about, like, are there any coaches that maybe LeBron has a good relationship with? Maybe coaches that LeBron would trust um, so much that maybe we can look into that and be like, okay, maybe this team would make sense because of that coach. Uh, one of those coaches could be Tom Izzo, Ben, uh, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it could be. You know, LeBron was a photograph with Tom Izzo at Draymond Green's wedding the other, the other day. So, I don't know. Might 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 not want to count out Michigan State. Uh, that's a little bit of a joke. I don't think – it would probably be unlikely that he would go to Michigan State. But anyway, I, I think it's going to be really interesting to see um, what happens with Bronny's recruitment. And we'll certainly be following it um, all year. And we'll probably talk about it at least a few more times on this podcast. For sure. I mean, well, again, I, I think the whole, yeah. just real quick, I think the whole Tom Ezra thing is hilarious, Trevor, because, like, there's nothing that would make me happier than having to watch Brandon watch LeBron James's kid play for Tom Izzo. Um, which, again, I mean, if you're going to go play in Michigan, I, I would probably prefer to go play in, like, you know, with the best basketball program in the state of Michigan, too, and that'd, that'd be the Michigan State Spartans. So um, we'll see there. Okay. I, I don't think it would happen. And just, again, the last thing on on this whole Bronny thing, we spent a lot of time talking about it, so I, don't, I won't spend forever. But just the last point I want to make is, like, I really do think that it's likely that Bronny will stay somewhere close to LeBron on the West Coast. I don't know why. I just can't see Bronny going yeah. out, even to like Ohio State. I just can't see that happening. For whatever reason, I can see Bronny wanting to stay close to Los Angeles because of the opportunities there and because like that's where he's grown up the last few years. So um, I don't know. That's just my hunch. I can't see him going out to like the East Coast to play at Duke or something like that. Maybe. But to me, it just makes more sense for him to stay locally close, at least somewhat close to LeBron on the West Coast. That's just my opinion. Yeah, I, I think I ultimately agree with that. My initial hunch was UCLA, but yeah. uh, it was pointed out to me that UCLA is a Jordan school, which might make it a little bit harder. So that could make USC or Oregon the favorite. But we'll mm-hmm. have to see uh, going forward. Um, next up we have here another topic that I'm sure Brandon would love to talk about. Um, last night on, uh, I think it was UFC 278, Gronk was on, um, and he asked Dana White, uh, to talk about, you know, the story with the Raiders and, and Gronk, uh, and Brady and Dana White came straight out and said that, you know, he was trying to help broker a deal to get Tom Brady to play for the Las Vegas Raiders in 2020, but John Gruden didn't want him. John Gruden did not want Tom Brady on his team. And I was, I was uh, very, not like shocked. I guess it wasn't like super surprising necessarily, but I was like, 
wow, like we, we finally found out who the team uh, that, you know, because this was one of the teams that was rumored, I think originally, that potentially could get Tom Brady. I think the other ones were like San Francisco. I think at one point I heard like Chicago. Um, and obviously Tampa was the one he chose. But at one point there was an interview where Tom Brady was talking about how like, oh, the, this team wanted to stick with that guy instead of me. And it seems like the quarterback he was talking about was uh, Derek Carr, which is very interesting there. But Ben, I want to get some of your thoughts about this. Um, you know, what Dana White's saying. Yeah, so a couple of thoughts. I mean, the first thing in terms of John Gruden not wanting Tom Brady, like I can see it because John Gruden kind of has a bit of an ego. And I, I, I genuinely think that John Gruden's thought process was if Tom Brady comes here, it, it's not going to be my team anymore. It's going to be Tom Brady's team. And I seriously think that was an issue with, with John Gruden. Um, he wanted to be the man. Like, you know, he came back. He, he, he was the Raiders coach earlier in his career. He came back. Um, I seriously think that Tom Brady coming there was going to hurt his ego. Um, and John, again, John Gruden, like, he was supposed to be like the quarterback whisperer. He's got a great relationship with his quarterbacks. He's, he knows his stuff. And I, I think that his thought process there, all, again, was Tom Brady might know more than I do about playing quarterback, and I don't think John Gruden likes that. In terms of Derek Carr, John Gruden liked that Derek Carr was a project. John Gruden could, you know, show him, show him the ropes and really t- coach him. And Tom Brady doesn't necessarily need somebody – um, that's some quarterback expert to be coaching him. Tom Brady's done it better than everyone, anyone ever. So I can see that. It's stupid, um, especially now that John Gruden's not even there anymore. It, it's stupid as if you were a, a Raiders fan. That's a terrible thing to hear because of how close you probably could have been to having Tom Brady. But um, in terms of him going to the Raiders in general, I think it's interesting because, and this is what I told you before we started recording, Trevor, there are certain teams that, like, if you go back to you know spring of 2020 or February of 2020 when this is all happening, there's certain teams that made sense for him to go to. If you're like, all right, where's Tom Brady going to go? There's, there's, you know, 90% of the teams in the NFL at that point did not make sense for him to go to. Okay. He's not going to go to like Cincinnati or Cleveland, or he's not going to go to, um, I don't know, like a, like a Dallas, Texas or something like that. There were certain teams that didn't make sense. And there were certain teams that made sense. And, you know, the Miami Dolphins made sense. The Los Angeles Chargers made sense. Maybe the Denver Broncos made sense. And I, I do think that the Las Vegas Raiders made sense at that time. It's somewhere that it seems like Tom Brady, a market that Tom Brady would be willing to go to. Um, and the ironic part is, ultimately, in my opinion, I don't think that the Tampa Bay thing made, made sense at all. Like, Tom Brady going to Tampa Bay made no sense. The team had no promise up to that point. Um, so that's why it was interesting. But I, 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 it's so not surprising to hear that he, that he was willing to go, go to Las Vegas because a lot of athletes, I think, were willing to willing to play in Las Vegas because of the you know the mysteriousness of the, the town and, and everything that comes with Las Vegas and the market there and the attention that that city gets. Um, I think that he that he absolutely could have played there. They had a brand new stadium that year. That the franchise was essentially like making it the turning the corner. They're not the Oakland Raiders anymore. That's in their past. They're on the come up. Um, so so Las Vegas made a lot of sense for Tom Brady, and, and this whole story is not surprising to me in the slightest. I think he would have loved playing there. I think he actually would have done a great job playing there. So as a you know, if you're a Raiders fan listening to this, it's heartbreaking. It sucks to hear that because again, I think it, it could have worked out very well there. But John Green's ego got in the way, and why, that, that's the ironic part is that he's not even there to really have to pay the consequences now of it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it speaks to. Uh... <laughs> I think it speaks to uh, the, the, the coach that John Gruden was, at least uh, this version of John Gruden, how he coached with the Raiders um, the past couple of years, obviously wasn't, yeah. didn't do a very good job. Um, you know, there, the organization wasn't, wasn't a very good organization. Um, but in terms of like the roster on paper, what they could have had with Tom Brady, I think, I think that team could have had a chance of winning the Super Bowl. I mean, that, that same year with Derek Carr uh, in 2020, they went eight and eight. And a lot of those games were very close. Um, at one point, they were 6-3 and three before they kind of went on a bad stretch. And a lot of their losses were close. So you could think, well, you know, maybe if the, the Raiders are able to turn some of those close losses into wins, maybe they get to like 11-5. and five. Um, Now, obviously, they're in the same division as Patrick Mahomes. So that could have been very interesting. I mean, Ben, imagine if, he's, imagine if he did go to the Raiders and he was still there. And then we're looking at... Uh, the quarterbacks in this division, and it's Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Tom Brady, and Russell Wilson. I mean, that would be insane. I mean, that would have been that would have been the best thing that's ever happened in the NFL. I, I can't even imagine. I mean, every single division game would have been the biggest game of the week. Like, it was, just would have been insane to see that. Yeah, I mean, it, 
it really would have been a lot of fun. But, uh, you know, we, we got another pretty good transition here. Uh, we got two divisions left in the NFL. And the division we're going to talk about today is the AFC West. Um, seems like the best division in football to me. I mean, I, I would definitely say, would you agree with that, Ben? Do you think this is the best division in football this coming year? Yeah, hands down. I think it's absolutely the best division in football. I, th- I don't even think it's that close. Like, if you were to, to pick a, a, a division that you think is number two, I, I think that hands down AFC West, the best division in, in football, the, mo- the most exciting division in football, and honestly probably going to be one of, if not the most competitive division in fo- football as well. Yeah, it's going to be so much fun, and we wanted to save this as one of the last divisions um, because of how good it's expected to be. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see, you know, some of these teams play each other. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, but, you know, let, let's start off by talking with the team that did win the division last year. That was the Kansas City Chiefs. They went 12-5. and um, they, they went out on uh, a loss to your team, Ben, the Cincinnati Bengals. That's who they fell Absolutely. to. Absolutely. And the AFC Championship Yeah, let's not forget game. that. That's an important um, thing to mention, for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's an important thing to mention. Obviously, you know, they had a decent lead, and then the Bengals made a big comeback. Patrick Mahomes had a pretty bad second half. You know, definitely not one of Patrick Mahomes' brightest moments of his NFL career so far. And now you look at this team with the Chiefs. They now have lost Tyreek Hill. Um, you know, they've had a lot of defensive issues in the past couple years, and it doesn't necessarily seem like they've improved on that end um you know the end where they really could have used a lot of work um but it, I, I don't know it doesn't seem like it's really gotten a ton better so that could be an issue for the Chiefs on offense obviously as I mentioned losing Tyree Kill that's going to be a hit um but you still do have Travis Kelsey obviously big big option there um you get you know Juju Smith-Schuster you get Marquez Valdez-Scantling um, you know, they resign a couple, you know, other important pieces um, as well. So this is, I don't know, this is going to be pretty interesting um, here with the Chiefs. It seems to me like they will take a, at least a small step back at the very least, if not um, a bigger one. Um, now the Chiefs over under, I'm looking at on Vegas Insider is 10 and a half. I think that's a pretty good number. Um, they finished 12 and 5 last season. I think if I'm going to lean, I so I think the Chiefs are probably the second best team in this division. If I'm, it's, it's very close. All four of these teams are very close. But, and I'll talk about who I think the best team in this division is. But I think the Chiefs are probably the second best team in this division. So I think that lands them right around that 10 or 11 mark. I, I don't even honestly know which way to go with it. Um, I guess because of how tough the division is, I'll say under. I'll say they're 10 and 7. But it's it's very close. Uh, what, do you, what do you think about the Chiefs, Ben? Yeah, man. I mean, again, like they lose Tyreek Hill, and and that that's a huge loss for them. And like on the defensive side, they lose Tyron Matthew or whatever. But I think a lot of the, the reason why most people would still say that they're a Super Bowl contender and they're still a top five team that could win the Super Bowl this year is because they have Patrick Mahomes. They, because they still have you know a top two tight end in, in Travis Kelsey. They still have Andy Reid, who's a phenomenal coach and very good. Um, schematically, both offensively and defensively, so they still have a bunch of weapons. And I still think that they're, they're going to be as as you know close to as good as they've been. Maybe they do take a small step back, but they still have every opportunity and all the talent in the world to, to be able to win a Super Bowl this year. Um, so I, I I do think that they will still be in the, in absolutely like you know the last game or two in in the in the race for the division title. Um, I think that they are a top two team. I agree with you, Trevor. In terms of one versus two, I, I think that them and uh, another team that we'll get to, I think I would consider them tied at this point. Like, I couldn't really pick one over the other. Um, so I still think that they are, you know, a favorite to win the division. If I had to pick, like, over under 10 and a half, they went 12 and 5 last year. I think they still hit the over. I think they go 11 and 6. And maybe this is just me putting too much faith in, in Patrick Mahomes, but I just can't see Patrick Mahomes lo- losing seven games in, in the regular season. If Patrick Mahomes is healthy for 17 games, I really just can't see him losing seven games. Um, and again, that's I have don't have stats to go off of that. It's just me me watching him play a bunch and, and the way that he plays. Um, it, it's hard for me to see them them going 10 and seven. So I'll take the over. I, I think they go 11 and six, um, and absolutely challenge you know for the division title. Yeah, for sure. Uh, well, let's get to the next team in this division. Um, I'm going to go to the team that finished second in the AFC West next. That is the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, the Raiders finished 10-7 and seven, uh, last year. 
another team with an exit to your Cincinnati Bengals, Ben. How is this? Absolutely. This is a good, great podcast for you, getting, this getting is to hear about all these teams that lost to your Bengals. Um, yeah, I love it. <laughs> the Raiders are another one of those teams. And, you know, the Raiders, they did some interesting things in the offseason as well. I mean, again, with, with how tough this division is, it's going to be hard to see them um, winning 10 games again, in my opinion. However, when you look at some of the acquisitions they have, I mean, they got Devontae Adams. That's huge. I mean, Devontae Adams is one of the best, you know, three wide receivers in the NFL. A lot of people would say he's the, the best one. He might be. Um, you know, they, they get uh, Hunter Renfro with the extension. You know, he was pretty important last year. Um, they got Chandler Jones, one of my favorite Patriots, uh, defensive end. They get him. So, you know, a lot of uh, interesting acquisitions here for the Raiders. And the crazy thing to me is that the Raiders seemingly got better. It, it seems that they got better in the offseason. However, looking at these other three teams, I kind of think the Raiders might be the worst team. And it's it's not it's through really no fault of their own. It's just because these other teams also got better. And but you know when you when you look through each team and you're like dissecting, okay, you got this addition here and this departure here, and you you do all the you know calculations in your head. I think the Raiders, in my opinion, come out fourth in the division. I mean, they're over under here. It's set at eight and a half. Um, again, I they I think these numbers. I think Vegas Insider just does a really good job of these numbers. To be honest. Um, and with that eight and a half number, I mean, I think, you know, someone has to lose games, right? That's the saying, mm-hmm. like someone has to lose games. So could they go under, could they be at the eight and nine? I think that's kind of where I'm leaning, to be honest. I think eight and nine is right around what I would say. I think they'll still be a really good team, but again, playing in a division like this, that's six games out of your schedule. You got to play the Chargers, the Chiefs and the Broncos. I don't know. Seems pretty tough to me, Ben. But what do you think? Yeah, I mean, if you look back to the Raiders last year, like, and I was very clear about this when they when they were playing the Bengals last year in the playoffs. I think they overachieved a little bit as a team. Like, I mean, they went ten and seven or whatever. I don't know if they were necessarily a ten win team last year. I mean, literally they were, but I don't know if they were as good as what their record showed. I think they definitely overachieved, especially with everything that happened with John Gruden, and now they got an interim head coach finishing out the year. I definitely think that team overachieved a little bit. So yes, they got better. But that doesn't mean I think they're going to win 10 games again this year. I, I think that obviously you were at a clear disadvantage to everyone else in your division at the quarterback position, which is the most valuable position on the field. Um, so I definitely think that's an issue there. And like you said, like somebody has to finish last. Somebody's got to do it. Every every you know fan of every team in this division, they're going to be pissed if they if you say their team's going to finish last, um, which is very similar to how you know, preview for the AFC North is next next week that we'll do. But Somebody's got to finish last. I, I think it's going to be the Raiders. I absolutely think it's going to be the Raiders. Um, they are just outmatched in a lot of positions. Yes, they have Devontae Adams, huge gift for them. Yes, they have Hunter Renfro, a, a phenomenal player. But like you said, I mean, they got to play six games against three of the best teams in the NFL. Like, that's an issue. And, and they're not going to win them all. They won't lose them all, but they're not going to win them all. On top of that, they play a second place schedule. So it's not like their schedule is going to be a walk in the park. They play some pretty decent teams. Um, so, I mean, in terms of eight and a half, like, I don't want to take the under on them necessarily because I do think that they can win nine games. But again, somebody has to lose games in this division. I think it's going to be them. I think they're going to be kind of the one left out of, of the party. So I, I will say that they go, I, I mean, I'll take the under eight and a half. I don't think they'll win nine games. If it's between seven or eight games, honestly, Trevor, I could see them going seven and nine. I really could. I could see them taking you know, a, 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 a step back in terms of their, their record from last year to this year. So Definitely the under. I'll even make a bold prediction and think that the Raiders will go seven and nine, even with Devontae Adams. Um, Derek Carr is is still a liability at that quarterback position. He's been that for a couple of years now. Every year, it's like the first couple of games he plays well. People say, "Oh, this is the year." He he did this in the off season. This is the year, and then ultimately Derek Carr ends up playing like Derek Carr. So, Las Vegas Raiders. I'm sorry, you're still a great team, but it's kind of just unfortunate. It's a nuclear arms race in the AFC West, and they're losing that that race at this point. Yeah, for sure. So seven and seven and ten, you think? Yeah, or sorry. Seven, seven uh, see, that's hard, man. Because I don't know if I can see this team losing ten games. But you know, I'll, I'll stick with it. <laughs> I'll go bold prediction. I think they go seven and ten. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's always tough because we we think these divisions are going to be so good. Like last year, I think we were very high on the NFC West as most people were, and then yeah. you look at the standings in the NFC West, and the Seahawks ended up losing ten games. You know, the Seahawks were seven and ten. And we would have never predicted that last year. So as good as the NFC West was last year, 
you still look down, it's like someone has to lose games. The Seahawks were that team last year. They went 7-10. and So maybe the Raiders will be a similar case uh, this year. Um, but next up we have here is the Los Angeles Chargers. Um, the Los Angeles Chargers finished 9-8 and last season. Um, obviously came very close to getting into the playoffs, couldn't quite get there. And, you know, I, I guess this is kind of in relation to the Raiders, but when you were talking, I was looking through the Raiders' schedule last year because I kind of had a feeling that, you know, as you were saying, the Raiders didn't feel like a 10 team. And I was in agreement with you, and I was looking at the schedule because I was, like, trying to back up what I already thought. And if you look at the Raiders' point differential, it was actually uh, minus 65 last year, yeah. which was actually worst in their division. It was worse than the Chargers and the Broncos. Like, the Chiefs had a plus 116 point differential, just blowing everyone else away. The Chargers had mm -hmm. plus 15, Broncos plus 13, Raiders minus 65. So a lot of the games they won were very close wins. And then they had quite a few blowout losses I was looking at on their schedule last year. So, you know, they, they were a good team when it came, you know, in the clutch, like executing and pulling out these close wins. But, you know, that's not always going to happen. So it, it's easy to see kind of flipping some of those results. But anyway, back to the Chargers. Um, the Chargers, again, another team, a lot of um, acquisitions here. They were a team that were 9-8, and eight, you know, looked very promising. You know, second-year quarterback Justin Herbert had a really solid season, uh, but they couldn't quite uh, get into the playoffs last year. Um, looking at some of their acquisitions this year for the Chargers, uh, as soon as I can get to the Chargers, where are we at here? Yeah, so a couple of the acquisitions for the Chargers. Um, obviously, you get J.C. Jackson, cornerback from the Patriots. Very important important there. Another former Patriot, Kyle Van Noy, like that. Uh, you know, you get Khalil Mack. Um, you know, you look Gerald Everett. They, you know, they get back. Mike Williams, they re-sign. So you look at some of these additions here for the Chargers, it's looking pretty solid. Um, now, a couple of their departures, you got like, like Justin Jackson. Uh, he leaves. Um, you know, they have some other ones as well um, that you can look at for the Chargers as far as their departures. But... Uh, definitely in that positive here. I mean, you look at that, J.C. Jackson was one of the best cornerbacks in the league last year. Um, Mike Williams, pretty solid wide receiver for sure there. You get Khalil Mack, you know, one of the best players on the Bears roster last year. So you're able to get him and, you know, didn't necessarily give away a ton to get him for the Bears um, necessarily. So a, a really good offseason, I think, for the Chargers. And the Chargers are also a team where you look at uh, their roster, you know, look at their offense. Like, they, get, they got a decent amount of young players. Justin Herbert, obviously, their quarterback being a young player. And if you kind of project and you think, if you believe that these guys will continue to improve, if you think that Justin Herbert is going to continue to get better, if you look at this offense, you're like, yeah, they, they re-sign Mike Williams. It seems like maybe their offense is going to be either just as good or better. And then their defense, I think, definitely improved uh, based on looking at the offseason. So, if their defense gets better and their offense either stays the same or gets slightly better, this team's definitely going to win a couple more games. Um, yes, they're in a very tough division, but they have the benefit of being the third-place team in that division, which makes their schedule at least a little bit easier than, uh, the, Char than the Chiefs and the Raiders. So I think that will help them. And um, ultimately, I mean, I think this Chargers team is probably going to win the division. This is probably my favorite team in the AFC West. Again, it's very close with them and the Chiefs. And I think, I, again, the Broncos and the Raiders very much have a chance as well. Um, but I think the Chargers are probably the best team in this division on paper. Um, I do think Justin Herbert's a very good quarterback. I think I had him right around like 7th or 8th um, when we did our quarterback rankings. So I definitely uh, believe in him a lot. I don't think he's quite as good as Joe Burrow, the, the other guy that he's often compared with. But nevertheless, he's very good. Um, very good quarterback. We saw that on display quite a lot last season. So... I believe in this Chargers team. We'll have to see. Um, again, it's a lot of things that, you know, they don't really have the experience as much there. They haven't been to the playoffs um, now in a couple seasons. They have a young coach, young team in general. But I believe in it. I believe that it's going to work out this year. And I think they're going to be the best team in the division. The over-under for the Chargers is 10.5. I'm going to take the over on that. I think 11 or 12 wins is where they're going to end up. Uh, but what do you think, Ben? 
Trevor, I agree with everything you said. I think it's the Chargers, and I think it's the Chiefs as as kind of the one-two punch in this division. I think either one, ha- I think they have very similar chances of winning the division. I'm kind of 50-50 on who I think is better at this point. But in terms of the Chargers, I mean, Justin Herbert's amazing. He's a freak athlete. He can sling it all over the field. He's got weapons around him. They have Austin Eckler. They have Mike Williams. They have Keenan Allen still. Um, and, and defensively, they're, they're good enough. To, they can hold their own. I mean, I think the biggest spotlight on all these teams is going to be, well, how is their defense compared to Patrick Mahomes and Russell Wilson and Devontae Adams? How are they going to be able to stop their division rivals? I think the Chargers have a good enough defense to be able to, to limit Patrick Mahomes, Devontae Adams, Russell Wilson, at least enough to, to win more games than not. So um, I like Brandon Staley as a head coach, University of Dayton alum. Go Flyers. Um, I, I, I think he's definitely ahead of the game and ahead of, ahead of the curve in terms of in terms of analytics. We saw that a lot last year. He's very new school, doesn't like to punt on fourth down, likes to go for two. The NFL is shifting in that direction. He is definitely one of kind of the, the faces of that shift and of that trend. Um, I think they have everything going for them. I think their window is now. They have a really good team. They got better this offseason. Yes, they're in a tough division, um, but I think that they are they're capable of, of, of handling themselves in that in that division and they're you know one of the reasons why this division is so tough so um i think they're definitely going to go over 10 games I, I could see them winning 11 or 12 games like you said trevor um 12 games is a lot especially in that division so I, i'm going to say this i think that we're going to come down to it. it's going to be the end of the year and i think the chiefs and the chargers are both going to finish like 11 and, and and six um and and i don't know what the tiebreakers are in that circumstance but the tiebreak it's going to have to come down to the tiebreaker for who wins the division between those two teams because i think they're very similar and they're very even in terms of talent um, quarterback play, coaching, uh, and defense. Yeah, I mean, it definitely could happen. I think the Chargers are um, maybe. See, I, I think the Chargers are actually like I don't want to say definitely like clearly more talented than the Chiefs, but just like looking across the board, they're more talented than the Chiefs. Like, yeah, position by position, look at the receiving core. I think their receivers are better than the Chiefs. You go running backs. I think they probably have the edge there. Offensive line. I don't know. That one's a little bit closer. Uh, you could say, and then you go basically pretty much every position on the defense, um, especially like secondary. I think the Chargers definitely have the edge. Quarterback, the Chiefs have the edge, but most other things, I think the Chargers have the edge. So talent-wise, I think the Chargers are definitely the better team. Um, now, coaching, again, the Chargers are a little more unproven. Chiefs mm-hmm. have Andy Reid, right? So the Chiefs would have a coaching edge there, so... Um, but we'll have to see. I think it'll be interesting uh, between those two teams. And even another team that, you know, I've seen a lot of people picking to win the division, uh, and that's the Denver Broncos. Um, the Denver Broncos, um, the team that, this might be the team I'm most intrigued to watch just because of all the changes they made. Um, obviously, the biggest one being a quarterback. They get Russell Wilson traded from the Seahawks. And the Denver Broncos, they've been a team that, you know, they've had some talent for the past couple of years, especially on their defense, but they've always had a terrible quarterback, you know, whether it's Drew Locke or uh, Teddy Bridgewater, like the quarterbacks they've been putting out there on the field have been pretty awful. So now they have a guy who, you know, we, we've, we've seen again and again, he has the track record. He's proven that he's a really good quarterback. He's won a Super Bowl with the Seahawks. He's had some really good seasons. Uh, just a couple of years ago, he he made a little bit of a run at MVP um, where he had a really good start to the season. I think this was two years ago, and then it kind of tailed off a little bit at the end. Um, so it's going to be really inter- interesting to see with the uh, the Broncos, with Russell Wilson. I And again, Russell Wilson didn't necessarily have the best season last year, so he definitely has a lot to prove. I think Russell Wilson, again, I think he's right in that, similar to Justin Herbert in terms of how good of a quarterback he is. He's like right in that seven, eight, nine range. Um, I think with Russell Wilson, I think there are definitely, I, I think like he's, there's a reason why he's not in that top tier with like the Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Josh Allen. And that's because I think you need more of a specific offense in order to uh, max his potential. Whereas with, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady. Well, I would say Patrick Mahomes and maybe Aaron Rodgers in particular, You, it doesn't really matter. With Tom Brady and Josh Allen, it for the most part also doesn't matter. I think for Russell Wilson, it matters a little bit more. That's why he's not quite as good as a quarterback. So we'll have to see You know how this offense works out. There's a lot of unknowns there. Um, you know they, they did resign Melvin Gordon, so they got him at running back. 
Um, they get Randy Gregory, the defensive end, uh, resign Malik Reed. So, you know, they, they have some good options there on offense. And then their defense has been good for the last couple of years now. I expect it to be pretty good again this year. Not a ton of changes. Um, it seems like, I mean, they did have some departures there on the defensive end. Um, and they were signed a couple of people. Um, but I think the Broncos, obviously with Russell Wilson, I expect them to be better. But I think they aren't quite as good as the Chargers or Chiefs. I have them right in that third slot. Um, they were 7-10 and last season. And I think they can probably win maybe three more games. So I think right around 10-7 and seven is where I'd put the Broncos. Maybe even 9-8. and eight. Again, 9 or 10 wins for the Broncos, which puts them just a little bit behind the Chiefs and a little bit above the Raiders. That's where I have uh, the Broncos. What do you think, Ben? Yeah, so I mean, in terms of the Broncos, I think there's, there's two things that they have going for them. Obviously, one is they upgraded the most valuable position at, at quarterback. They have Russell Wilson. Um, and two is they have the luxury of playing a last place schedule, which is always beneficial, especially when you go from last place to a, a possible first place contender. That is very beneficial for them in terms of their schedule um, outside of their division. With, with the Broncos, they're a good team. They're a very good team. But again, this is like the cream of the crop in terms of NFL divisions. You have to be a great team if you want to win this division. I mean, the Chargers and the Chiefs are very, very good, if not great teams. The Broncos, to me, are, are a very good team. I don't know if they're a great team. Yes, Russell Wilson's fantastic, but I still think he's the third best or quarterback in that division, um, which is insane. It's insane to say that. Insane to say that Russell Wilson's the third best quarterback in his division, but again, it just shows how insane this division is in general. Um, their defense has been phenomenal for years, and that was their that's been their their kind of their the foundation of their team the last couple of years as well. We know what the defense and what their secondary can do. It's the offense that's been the issue. The offense got better, but I still think the offense has some issues. I mean, obviously you have Russell Wilson. Um, you have Jerry Judy, um, but I mean, if you're looking, if you're comparing offenses, or if you're comparing the the Broncos' offense to the rest of the division, I mean, I think they lack in 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 a lot of parts on offense. I mean, in terms of running their running back room, like yeah, you got Melvin Gordon, yeah, you have Javante Williams, but does that stack up with other running backs in the division? Does that stack up with a Josh Jacobs or with an Austin Eckler or with a with a Clyde Edwards-Alaire? Like maybe not. So. Um, offensively, they're very good. They're very good. And teams outside the division, they're probably going to be better than a lot of them. But I cannot emphasize this enough. Like, this is the best division in football. You have to be solid in all parts of your team to win this division. If you're a Broncos fan, yes, you absolutely can expect to win this division. But in reality, there's two teams, in my opinion, that are better than you in a lot of positions. And that's going to be an issue for them, at least I think on paper looking at it. That is an issue for them. So, um, in terms of their over-under, Trevor, I forget what you say. What is their over-under? Is it 10 or is it 10 and a half? What is it? It's a uh, 10 and a half. Okay. So 10 and a half. I, I think I got to agree with you, Trevor. I got to take the under, man. I, I, I think they'll win 10 games. I think they'll go 10 and seven, third place in the division. But, um, I just think the chiefs and the, and, and the, uh, the chargers are better. They're better at a lot of positions. Um, and I really do think the Broncos are outmatched. They're inferior. Um, in a lot of ways to those teams, it's going to be tough for the Broncos to be able to overtake those teams. So 10 wins for the Broncos, still a fantastic year, but in that division, man, 10 wins is only going to get you third place, which is crazy, but it is what it is. Yeah, and, and another thing with the Broncos, there could be like some growing pains. Again, I talked about like how long will it take this offense to click? I mean, you know, we, we've seen other, like, other really good quarterbacks that have moved to different teams like Tom Brady with the Bucks a couple years ago. Like It took yeah. some time. You know, The first couple games were not all like, it wasn't great all the time. So I think there could be some growing pains and you could even see the Broncos start off maybe on the bad, like on, on the wrong foot. And then maybe they'll start to get it together and maybe, maybe they can make a late push. But ultimately I agree uh, with you, you know, as we kind of talked about under is what I'm thinking for the Broncos. Um, anything else you want to mention um, on the AFC West today, Ben? I mean, just last thing on the Broncos, like, I mean, I don't think it's a huge deal, but, I mean, new head coach Nathaniel Hackett coming from Green Bay. Um, obviously, I don't think a, a new head coach in the NFL is not, a, not as big of a, of a deal as, like, a new head coach in college. I think NFL, they're pros. They can, they can play for whoever. But I do think that is something to mention. I mean, it's not always smooth sailing for a new head coach. Again, they're professionals. They, they should be fine. It's not going to affect necessarily the way that they play, but it is something um, that you have to look at in terms of growing pains. Um, because it is a new system, it's a new a, a new body in the room. It's it's a it's a new way that you're being coached. So it is something that's notable. I don't think it's going to cost them a bunch of games or anything like that, but it is notable. Um, again, I mean, this division is so insane. It is absolutely. I mean, I think it's the definition of an of an arms race in the NFL in this division. Every team got better. 
um, and, and somebody's got to finish in second, third, and fourth place in that division. And every single fan base, like I said, is going to be upset if they don't win the division, which makes it so exciting and so much fun um, because that's the case. I, I'm, I'm glad that we waited till the end or towards the end of, of this series to do this division. I wanted to hold off as long as possible because of how excited it is and, and how excited I am for football, and we're really not that far away now because of it. Um, we got one division left, Trevor. We got one division left, and I'm so excited for it. I'm so excited to to preview the the NFC or not not the NFC excuse me the AFC North, um, because it's personal for me. Trevor Brandon has said some things recently about the Bengals. I've kept the receipts. I'll be ready next week. Um, I have a lot of opinions about all four teams next week in the AFC North. So I hope Brandon's listening. I hope he comes ready to debate me because I've already started taking notes. I've already started doing research. This is weeks in the in the making for me. I am ready to defend my Cincinnati Bengals at all costs a week from now. Oh man, he's got the receipts. Well, I'll, I'll have the popcorn ready. I'm just going to sit up here. I'll have a uh, bucket of popcorn while you guys sit there and talk for 40 minutes next week. I, I'm excited for that. Again, it's the last division we got, which means the NFL season is so close. Um, and in preseason, we're already in the second round of preseason games. We only got a couple more preseason or weeks of preseason left, and then it's go time. Um, I, I love football season. I think it's fantastic. It gives us a lot of content to talk about. The NFL always has something going on. And then before you know it, Trevor, the NBA is starting, and we're all happy again because we get to talk about the NFL and the NBA at the same time, which is always fun for you. So we're getting there. We, we've had to struggle through a little bit of, of kind of the, the dog days of summer, late July, early August, where there's really just baseball on. Football's ramping up. Basketball will be there here before we know it. We're getting there. It's, it becomes a lot easier for us in terms of what to talk about when sports are on. So I'm excited. It's a great time of the year. Fall is fantastic. But enough of that. I think we'll wrap it up there. A fantastic podcast, as always, without Brandon. It always seems to be great when Brandon's not here. Um, but we do miss him. He should be back next week um, to, again, finish this, this whole uh, division preview series that we're doing and ultimately get one step closer to the NFL season. So, um, again, thank you all so much for listening. We really do appreciate it. Make sure you're following us on all our social media platforms. Make sure you're, you're leaving us a five-star rating on wherever you're listening to this podcast. Um, but with that being said, again, thank you all so much for listening, and we will see you next time. Go Falcons!